What's good, people? This is Mark N from the Breakdown Podcast. I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's been listening and everybody who has tuned in and interacted with us on any of our social media platforms on YouTube, on Instagram, um, or even just by listening to the podcast. All of the support is much appreciated, and the whole team are very grateful for you to be listening. Next year, we just want to be going from strength to strength. So um, keep sharing the podcast with people. Um, keep tuning in as well. We want to do some YouTube live streaming and interact with some of the people that's listening. So um, just want to wish you a happy new year from everybody on the team. Um, and we'll see you next year. I would love Oli to stay. <laughs> you, you don't know why? Because as long as he stays... United aren't that yeah. much of a threat. <laughs> you know what? That was the first game that really finished me off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that was the first game. That was the game that finished me off. Samples. Oh, I, I keep hearing this. Oh, it's Anfield. It's not my fault if you can't fill your stadium, in it? It's not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Tell them. Tell them, T. Tell them. The Breakdown Podcast. So what's good, people? You're tuned into the Breakdown Podcast, episode 17. This is the last one of the year. Um, so I hope everybody has had a good Christmas um, or good season's greetings to everybody. And I hope everyone's going to enjoy the new year, however you're bringing it in. Obviously, today, you know, he started his New Year celebrations early. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I feel like he was still depressed from the Chelsea, but, you know, we won't go there. You know what I'm saying? No football for him to be able to get over it. But, you know, so obviously Kofi's back next week. Um, what are you saying, T? I'm good, man. You know, it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting year, you know, um, but I'm good. You know, it's, 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 it's going to be an interesting one, kind of taking a review of it and, and, and looking at some of the, the more interesting points, the things that have cropped up. But yeah, overall, I'm good, man. Yeah, you're feeling powerful. <laughs> you know what, bro? These last couple of weeks, yeah, you've <laughs> you've been setting these traps like Conte. <laughs> you're setting these traps. I'm not falling for them. I'm not falling for them. <laughs> I'm just saying. If I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be happy too. But you know, it is what it is. <laughs> what are you saying, Jay? Boy, I'm good, man. Um, I'm glad we're reviewing the season as a whole, and uh, not just um, where I'm concerned. Um, uh, it's because it's been more lows than highs, but um, yeah, man, I'm good. Uh, it's been a good year. The Breakdown Podcast. Cool. So, who, who is your personal player of the calendar year 2021? Um, well, for me, straight off, Mo Salah, man. No surprises. Mo Salah, calendar year. Because that guy, I remember in like, uh, I think it was February or March, that guy was like, yo, I'm taking this team back to Champions League. Um, when it was a bit of, there, there was a bit of turbulence, turbulence in the camp at that point. And um, he did. Well, what was you know? the turbulence? Obviously, at, at that point, Liverpool were, 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 were moving a bit. There was a lot of injuries. Um Nat Phillips, Reese Williams at the back, you know, um six losses, six home losses in a row, you know, and I think Liverpool were were, were lingering in, you know, 
some 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 positions like foreign positions. Let's just leave it at that. Foreign positions. <laughs> um, foreign positions in the league, and um, it looked like Liverpool weren't going to make the Champions League. There was a bit of a a hill to 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 get over, and yeah, there was just a point in the year where where I think Salah sent out a tweet and he was like, "Listen, like we're gonna we're gonna fight to the end, sort of thing." Um, and by all accounts, the things that I was reading um, post that post the season. Um, indicated that he, he he really took a bit of a step up and started to to take a more senior role in the in the dressing room training um and really just leading by example and you know scored key goals um and yeah man like I said led by example really Liverpool ended up finishing third and uh I guess the way he started off the following season this season um and kind of he's pretty much not let off I think I think every game apart from two, he's he's either assisted or scored in, and um, yeah, he's leading the goal scoring charts at the moment. He's he literally is driving Liverpool forward. So yeah, for me, when I when when we were briefing and talking about who the kind of player is for us, kind of this year, definitely Salah for me. Like I'm not even gonna hide any bias there. I think yeah, is what it is. What what do you feel like he changed in his game? Like, what has he added to his game, in your opinion? That's that's because he's always well since he's come to Liverpool, he's always scored goals. Mm. Um, is it the amount of goals? Is it the range of goals? What 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 specifically would you say for you? That's just like okay, this is why, or this is what's making him perform at this level. He just feels like a more complete player now. So. A lot of the times, and you know what, you know what, between us, we've we've noticed this. You mentioned this a couple of times, and I used to see it quite quite frequently. You know, someone's fired the ball down a line to him, and the ball just rickets off of him. First touch, horrible. It's gone out for throwing. That that doesn't happen anymore. His close control is 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 a lot better. Um, his awareness seems a lot better as well. And to be honest, he doesn't seem as selfish, which has led to to better decision making. So you know, often. He may have taken a, a shot from a very tight angle or he's a little bit off balance and he's taken a shot off of his right foot. Whereas now he might use the easier option. And it's often resulted in either a shot on goal, a dangerous moment, or a goal for his side. Um so I feel like there's there's a lot of different things which have made him a more complete player. He also seems to have added um an element of unpredictability in his dribbling, which seems a lot more clean, a lot more crisp now. And this, it's not to say that he's he's a you know he, he, I, I wouldn't necessarily compare him to any of the great dribblers that we've seen over the you know the, the past generations and stuff, but he seems to be able to command what he can do a lot better, and uh, and what I mean by that is just keeping control of the ball, manipulating that low center of gravity, um, working on the strength as well to hold off players, and um, his, his finishing seems a lot more clinical as well in in, in situations. So. Um, yeah, for me, that the, the completeness of him seems to really be seems to be coming out now, and um, it's it's paying dividends for the for the team because not not only is he scoring at a very high rate, um, I think he scored twenty or twenty one at this point now, um, but also his teammates are, are also benefiting because he's also the highest um, assist assister or assist maker. Um, at this point of the season, I think he's that in the in, in the league as well. So 
goals and assists, man. Mo Salah, since that point, like I said, when he sent that tweet, he's just gone to another level. Um, and he's benefited of that. Uh, everyone else in the team has benefited of that. And it seems like he's been a bit more widely accepted as a, as someone that's gone to another level. Do you know what the thing is as well? With Mo Salah, yeah? I remember um, I saw Ben Foster make a comment and he kind of let something slip about, mm. obviously, Salah had a penalty and he scored it um, mm. against Ben Foster. And he'd asked him, Ben Foster had been asked a question after the game by Salah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I took the penalty, which way would you have died? I need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Salah yeah. scored his penalty, but was still interested in collecting that type of data to know what are these guys thinking? You know, mm. and that made me, that was kind of like an interesting insight, although we probably didn't want that to be public knowledge. Still, it was an interesting insight to be like, okay, he's at a certain level and he's cleaned up his game. He's cleaned up mm. his game to a certain extent. So, like you said, like the one, the one thing I noticed was the balance issue from before. So many times the guy was off balance, trying to do things whilst his feet weren't set. Do you know what I mean? Now he just strikes the ball so much more cleanly. Um, his awareness has gone up. And like you said, like he, he's not trying to, he's, he's basically trying to get the shortest route towards goal. And I think that's the biggest kind of difference kind of thing. He's a snappy. And some of the finishing, you can see that he's watched a lot of finishers. Mm. You can tell. Because he didn't used to finish like that before. Do you know what I mean? Not as clean as it is now. Sometimes that's just, it's very rehearsed. And you know, with, with, with centre-forwards specifically, old-school centre-forwards, old-school number nines, you kind of knew what they were going to do. Or when you look back at the, the replay of the goal that they scored, it was like, this has come off the training ground. They didn't actually think about this. It wasn't like they were trying to just piece it together. Before, it kind of felt like, yeah, it was a lot of like effort for him to for him to kind of score goals. Now, it's like the goals are coming easy. And to be honest, like that's that's what's made him into to, to the monster. Do you know what I mean? But for him to be um, seventh in the... Uh, in the Ballon d'Or, he's actually a joke. <laughs> like, yeah, he's actually yeah. a joke. Yeah, yeah. But we want to know like, what that what that, uh, what that competition is about. Um, <laughs> and and maybe, maybe as well, people were looking at the, the, the timing of it. So when people are actually being judged upon, um, which I, I believe is, is it October to October? I think it's, I think it's, I think the cutoff point was, was October, um, basically. And maybe, yeah, some, for some reason, people didn't think he he was deserving of of that of that uh, of a higher position. But to to your point though, on on him, um, there's 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 like another element to his game as well, where he's he's looking at combinations more. So he's combining well a lot a lot better with Trent. He's combining a lot better with Henderson with his Kator. He's playing behind him. There seems to be like a fluidity. In the game and a, and a, and a wider acknowledgement that okay, you know, if I work together with the team instead of just solely focusing on just goals, 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 um, it might benefit me and it might benefit the team because before he was, he was selfish and he was getting the goals and it was like okay, fair enough, but this is not to, this is to the detriment of the team essentially. Whereas I feel like he's seen it now. Oh, do you know what? Actually, if I if I do play this way, which which benefits the team, it might actually benefit me as well. Yeah, it's key. Definitely key. Jay, who's your player of 2021? Well, you know, it was Mo Salah and you guys talked <laughs> extensively. <about his laughs> I, did, I did not expect so, that, boy. So, um, 
Yeah, I had one thing I'd say is I had if it wasn't for injuries, I might have had Kante, but I Kante, you know, too, a bit a bit too many injuries um to say that he's you know my player, but he's up there. But yeah, I had Salah. Um obviously you guys covered a lot of points, um, T. But um just to add to what you said as well, um I feel like you can tell he's being coached by a German manager because he's much more efficient as well now. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, he used to get goals, obviously, but there was still an element of wastefulness because of he was more of a, you know, a go-getter. I need to get these goals for me and get my numbers up kind of thing. Um, but now he's really efficient um, and it's it's paying dividends for, for Liverpool um, and their title challenge. Um, and I think as well, he's just, as you guys said, he's he's much cleaner. He's doing stuff that you see these top European players over the years do. So some of the goals that he scored, yeah, personally for me, um, particularly in this season, he scored probably the top two best goals in the Premier League. Um, his, his goal against Watford, his goal against Man City, particularly against Man City in that kind of high pressure situation, a lot going on. Um, not necessarily being um, the most dominant team on the pitch, uh, you know he's he's scoring some great goals that are up there with the best, um, and also his assists as well. That's outside of the boot assists that he 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 did for Mane as well. I think in the same game, um, so it's not just assists for assists sake, assists sakes per se, but the quality of the assists, the difficulty, um, and getting them spot on. Um, so, yeah, for me, I I, I pick Salah. He's just a very efficient player now, and that is fits in with the team. It's helping get uh, better out of the other players. Jota, um, Mane in particular. Mane's got nine goals. Some of them have been assisted by um, Salah. So that's a true mark of uh, you know a great player when you're also helping other players do well. So yeah, he's my guy. Mm. That's not one. See, mine, mine is slightly different. Obviously, midfielders union. I'm part of the midfielders union. I'm always going to choose, look to choose midfielders. My my player of the year, uh, both for what he did, club and country, um, in the Euros as well. For me, my player of the year is Declan Rice. For me personally, um, the obvious answer is Mo Salah because, of course, his goals, his assists, and whatever. But the year, the calendar year that Declan Rice has had. That rise is just mental. The Breakdown Podcast. Like the guy, he went from being kind of like a decent player who, to be honest, I thought, you know what, his best position is going to be centre-half because I just didn't see the IQ. You know, I saw it defensively. I saw it. Defensively, I saw it. I saw it when it came to being in the right positions and stuff. But on the ball, you're talking about on the ball, being able to play um, play passes, being able to break the lines, being able to burst forward. It's kind of moved from sort of your defensive midfielder to your box-to-box, um, box-to-box midfielder um, in the space of a calendar year. He helped West Ham massively, um, you know, and he just added things to his game that made him so important. Even for England in the, in the, in the Euros, him and um, Calvin Phillips, they ran themselves into the ground, but they were intelligent. You know, and this is that's the one thing I would say about Declan Rice is like he's captain West Ham now, took the armband, and he's intelligent and it's paid off for him to stay at West Ham. 
You know, for me, that's a club that he should be looking to stay at for the next few years and build his career and stuff like that. Help them to to finish um, sixth um, in the Premier League. You know, from where they were, good, good, good end to the season and stuff like that. And I think even the way he started um, this season, I think he scored one goal in the Europa League. And I thought, yeah, okay. He picked up the ball from like the halfway line, just kept running, kept running, and slotted it in the bottom corner. And I was like, that's not something you would have said about. Declan Rice before but I feel like he just matured into his game um, and I know West Ham are on a little bit of a wobble but they're still around the in and around the top six top top six kind of positions um, so for me it's him and you know the, the key thing is last season Suchek was more the mm. one who was going to burst out of the two of them Rice yeah. and Suchek Suchek was going to burst Suchek was the one getting on the end of things Rice was sitting back all of a sudden Rice just completely check, flipped that it on its head and it's like okay actually now you've got two guys who can be box to box there and it's really helping with the counter attacking because obviously they've lost um, Jesse Lingard in there and now they've needed a different person in the transitions and he's been able to you know I mean show up and levels of skill as well this is the other thing I didn't realise how skillful he actually was you know it's weird with footballers right sometimes because of the role they play on the pitch you can sometimes stereotype them as not being skillful but sometimes no, that's they are skillful players, but it's just this this is their discipline, that's their role. But it seems like they've let the shackles off. So for me, Declan Rice is head and shoulders, like for me, one of the most improved players. And for me, that's why I'll put Declan Rice in there. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense, man. I think he's he's really come on leaps and bounds. Um and obviously there's 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 a lot of rumors about him making that next step step up. So 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 what do you reckon? So you reckon he stays at West Ham? Can you take can you take West Ham to another level? He's he's still young. There's no he's got you know my phrase my phrase has got a good job. He's a fantastic job. He ain't got, he's got a good job. He's got a fantastic job. Imagine he had joined Man United at the time. Imagine, mm. Can you imagine what what he would have been like if he'd have joined Manchester United at the time? Forget it, forget it. You're not going to get this opportunity to work um, under under a manager that's kind of structured and lets you do what you have to do. Um, you know, in terms of your positioning. A club that loves you, do you get what I'm trying to say, and embraces you and your club captain, like you shouldn't give that up too easily. If you're a young player, you shouldn't really give that up too easily because a lot of players never become captain in their whole career. A lot of players, they make the step up. And the problem is when you make the step up, the only way is down. I don't know many players who have made, made the step up, they flopped, and then they were able to get back up to that level. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So it should be organic. Like I feel like his rise should be organic and he should just be chilling, doing what he's doing. And there's not there's not wrong with playing Europa League football. They're doing well in Europa League. You know, West Ham are doing well in Europa League. And with some investment, who knows in this climate as well. Imagine West Ham with a buyout, like a big, a big buyout. Think about it. Who 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 better to be spearheading that that new movement? And you can't even say that's off the cards. They're a London club, do you know what I mean? Kind of running a certain way. So I wouldn't be looking to move because you know, the clubs that he's kind of linked to, the main club, Chelsea. Chelsea have got a lot of players in that position. And, you know, with Chelsea, you're not just competing with, you know, English players. You're competing across the world because they're always looking to sign players kind of thing. So, um, with West Ham, it's just tailor-made for him. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And specifically for his development. Because you, you don't want to... He needs to have probably two more years like this. Do you get mm. what I'm trying to say? Like, you're so quick, especially with English players, we're so quick sometimes to say world class or we're so quick so so, so many times 
we're so quick to push them on to the next level that they're not ready for. But let him have a few a few tournaments, like because in the summer, um, playing playing for England, he was fantastic. But again, that's his proper first proper taste mm. of that stage and that level. You know what I mean? Where he's being depended on, and I think, you know, he's going to go to the World Cup hopefully if he's fit and stuff in um, twenty twenty two. But I feel like that's what that's what a player like that needs to do. You know, and specifically around central midfielders, where trust is everything, form is everything. If you're bad in the centre of the pitch, it's just going to stink the whole place out. Do you get what I'm trying to say? You can be you can be bad in certain areas and, and get away with it. Central midfield isn't one of them. So um, I, I would say you should stay definitely at West Ham. And where, where do you see him like improving his game? Because when I think about some of the players that have that have taken that that next step, even from West Ham to Chelsea, for example. So you've got Glenn Johnson, for example, Joe Cole, Lampard, these sorts of players. They all took the next step and, and like, I suppose there was a marked improvement where there was an area where there was a big jump. But where, where you're saying you, you want to see him stay and, 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 and maintain this level, where do you think he can improve his game? I think, for me, he's got to be looking to add more goals to his, to his game. Um, and I think that's that's going to be the big area. Do you know what I mean? Like, in the air, he's got to be deadly from set pieces. Do you get what I'm trying to say? He's got to be looking to score at least 10 to 12. You know what I mean? In the next couple of years, 10 to 12, 14 goals in a season. Do you get what I'm trying to say? They will just add it. It will add so much to the get to his game. In terms of controlling football matches as well, you know, controlling the tempo. So, like, if the game's not going the way... Because, you know, you look at the way West Ham play, Sometimes they're under the cosh because they sit back in their shape, and you 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 know you kind of want to see him start to dictate such a play, such a game, and start to take it by the scruff of the neck and start to be man of the match. Even if he doesn't get a goal or an assist, he's still man of the match because he took control of a midfield. Not so much that he was tackling, not so much that he ran loads, but that he took control. He put his foot on the ball and got his team up the pitch. Do you get what I'm saying? It's that sort of stuff that I would like to see as the next development because you know when you get to when you get to the next level of football that's what you will be judged on primarily mm. do you get what I'm mm. trying to say you'll be judged on yes on your goals your output but you know you servicing the team in a certain way that you can be a go-to person when it's not that you're the standout player you're one of many do you get what I'm trying to say and everyone's at a certain level so him being able to control football matches is going to be the next development and I would definitely say set pieces you know what I mean? Scoring from corners and set pieces, making late runs into the box and getting the goals. I would say that's the next level for him um, mm. on a personal level. Now that he's shown he can do it, he has to have that hunger um, and be nurtured in that sort of way so that he doesn't get boxed in as a DM. Mm. So that's mm. the worst possible thing for a player like him to, to get boxed in as the DM because all of a sudden, you know, you've seen certain players that get boxed in as DM, DMs and that's not really their style. Yeah. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So it's 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 a tough one, man. But yeah, okay, cool. So who who's your manager of the season? Has anyone got anything other than Pep? Yeah, I've got three. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three. <laughs> all right, let's go with yours, T. <laughs> uh, all right. So mine is actually a good segue on from you. So mine is David Moyes, um, 
And the reason why I say David Moyes is because for a number of reasons, when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking about performance over the year, but then also performance uh, prior to this, because some of his experiences as, as a manager, United, Real Sociedad, um, managers, to be honest, they, they don't recover from. And David Moyes, it's not like he's a, he's a young manager, per se. He's not at the start of his career. So it could have been easy for him to, you know, just take a sip out the back door and don't really hear from him anymore. But no, nah, he dug deep. This is not his first stint at West Ham either. Second stint. And um, just just looking at that, that league position, really, the finish last season um, and their performance level for pretty much the, the whole season was, was key. So for them to finish sixth, um, and really thinking about West Ham's profile, like West Ham have been a, a bit of a needy club for a long time. There's been a lot of players who've come in, gone out, and no one seems to have been able to really have a long stint, stamp their approval, sorry, stamp their authority on the team and get that approval from the players, get their approval from the fans and the ownership, which is the key thing. And I think he's he's managed to do that, or he's definitely doing that now. Um, and when I think about some of the players as well under his regime, think about some of the marked improvement they've made and also they've become a, a bit of a force, to be honest with you. Um, they've, they've become an issue for, for a lot of the sides. And now when, when I think about from back to front, Fabianski, reliable keeper, you know what I mean? It's been, a, it's been a long time since he made the move across London, but now he's, you know, he's a solid, renowned Premier League keeper. Kufal, when he came in, Straight away, you know, he he did his thing. He 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 stamped his authority in the Premier League. Everybody knew, okay, Kufal, yeah, that's that's not an easy ride. T today I'm going up against him. You know, you know what you're going to get. Cresswell again, huge huge improvement and consistency from him. A lot of assists, deliveries, very very good. Um, Obono at the back become a leader. Really stepped into his 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 shoes. His his. He's, he's now, a, 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 I mean, obviously he's injured now, but when I think about the, the, the defender who sort of embodies Moyes and what and, and West Ham and, and the solidarity there is Ogbonna. You know, he's been there, he's a leader now. You can really see that people are looking at him like, okay, cool, yeah, this guy who commands the back line. Um, and then as you said, Bryce and Suchek, dovetailed very well. Suchek, easy for us to forget, but last season was scoring goals, a lot of key goals for West Ham, a lot of winners. It was a nuisance at set pieces. Um, and now Rash this season is, is, is you know, that even to, to be able to make that tactical tweak where you have, okay, cool, you know what, Suchek, you're, you're going to hold this season. We're going to look to tap into a bit of Rice's, um his his attributes and, and we're going to benefit from that this season. Again, for me, is an impressive tactical tweak. And that combination as well, they don't miss many games. They're always present, those two, and there's a real relationship there. And then when you look at the front line as well, there's there's a lot of players there um, that I think of who are a big problem, very underrated in my opinion. Like Jared Bowen, uh, Ben Rama coming in, he settled in well from Brentford. Um, Lanzini is coming and, and done very well. Antonio, obviously, we think about Antonio, he's been at West Ham a while, he's played right back, played right midfield, but now he looks at home up front. And you know, when you play Antonio, even if he doesn't score, you're in a game. You're in a game if you're a centre-back. Like, you're you're in for it, you know, I mean, he's going to work the channels. He's, he's, he's a physical presence, you know, he, he could get goals, he can assist, you know, so, you know, 
thinking about West Ham as an entity now, they're a real genuine force. You know what I mean? They're, they're still fifth in the league, as you said, as we as we record this. And so um for me, um David Moyes really is that is the is the figure there who who should be shouted out. And um when I think about all the managers within the league, I don't really wanna go with the obvious, but to be honest, he needs to be shouted out. So yeah. despite despite him being a, a Man United guy, <laughs> um I think yeah, he 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 definitely for me is the is the manager of the candidate. Yeah. He's not a Man United guy, by the way. Just just a little correction there. He's a Man United guy, bro. Definitely, definitely an Everton guy, and that's why you don't like <laughs> him. Okay, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. But no, I think yeah, the way he sets his teams up, um, it's hard to play against them, it's hard to score against them. Um, only individual errors really sometimes let them kind of mess up and stuff like that. But as a unit, they're well drilled. Um, I like the way they move the ball on the counter-attack because it's it's minimal touches and they're getting the balls into the channels nicely for Antonio, who loves loves to run. Ben Rama, he loves to kind of... And Ben Rama's developed. And you just have to look at the development as well, the mm. development of some of his players. We're mentioning multiple players here, smart signings. Do you know what I mean? When they brought Lingard in, again, that was a smart, astute way, um, way to bring someone in. Um, bringing in Kurt Zuma, as well to the to the centre half, you know what I mean. And now now you look at that back line and it's it's as good as anyone's. You mentioned there um, Kufal as well. The guy I, I watched him play against Jack Grealish, um, West Ham and Aston Villa, and I saw him and he just shackled and Grealish had to go to the other side. He just had to move mm. over to the right hand side <laughs> because he was he was the wrong type of player for him. He was a guy Kufal's quick. He makes a good tackle. He manages the space. He doesn't switch off. He's and he's, he's extremely aggressive, and that's the you know for for any forward, that's the type of fullback you don't want to play against as well. And he's not too bad on the ball either. So mm. you know um, you just have to shout. You have to shout them out. I want to shout um, shout out Dawson as well at the back because again he's, he kind of goes. He's an unsung hero. But yeah, David Moyes. I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with David Moyes at all because you know Dave, David Moyes, like you said, managers sometimes they don't have that second wind. You know what I mean? They've gone up. They've they've had it, and then all of a sudden it's like a Steve Bruce situation where it's just like, oh man, it's just getting worse at each club. Do you know what I mean? But actually, he's able to do it. And the season before, you know, that nineteen twenty season, they finished sixteenth, <laughs> I think, in the Premier League. Yeah, he came in and saved them, bro. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So um, from to take it from there, yeah, I, I can't argue with David Myers. The breakdown podcast. So what are you saying, Jay? Who's who's your three? Give us your rundown. <laughs> um, so I have I have got Pep in there. Um, I'll rattle through quickly. I think his obviously at the start of this year they begun they begun that run. I think last December where they lo- they didn't beat West Brom and then there was a change. There was a snap. There was a change in C. Um, and then they began that run, that long run of winning games, which obviously ended up with them winning the title. But I think for Pep, there's loads of things people can say and there's loads of things that have been said and there's been books that have been written and whatever lectures been been done. But what impresses me the most about Pep is how he continues to find these solutions. Of course, Man City by some of the best players in the world, but he actually improves these players so these are like some of the best players in europe or in the world or whatever but these players get better 
um, under him. Um, so we, we look at players like it's kind of similar to the to the Moyes the Moyes thing you guys are saying. But you look at players like Cancelo came to City wasn't necessarily really clicking at first. Um, you know, at, at the right back, and he's able to work with him and get into this point where now he's just he's doing more than is expected of a right back. He's you know he's part of these players we just we discussed. The breakdown podcast. Bernardo went to leave earlier this earlier um, in the season. Um, he convinced him to stay for another season and. And now Bernardo's enjoying um, some of his best football. We're enjoying some of the, Bernardo's best football as well. Um, but also Rodri as well. I think Rodri's come come on leaps and bounds, particularly in this season. Um, and he, when he first came to the league again, he looked like someone that was, you know, the league was too fast for him. Um, and, you know, would he be a suitable um, replacement, future replacement for Fernandinho and everything Fernandinho had done? Um in terms of what he's doing on the pitch, particularly in this season, um, he's he's also improved. So I'm just I'm impressed that, yeah, you know, like I said, City spend the money um, for these players, but he Pep does take them and then improves them, gives them an extra dimension, takes them to another level, whatever, however you want to describe it. And also, we forget as well that with Pep, he, he you know he goes to you know, Champions League gets to the final, gets sucker punched, um, and doesn't win when he's expected to win. Um, and there's a few games as well during the season where he gets sucker punched or he doesn't get a decision. But I mean, in the Champions League, and he comes back and it's um, he gets closer and closer and closer. Um, so that there's a certain element of bounce back ability to um, to come back from these kind of. I know their mind to most other people that well, okay, he didn't win the Champions League final, so what he won everything else. But those things also do take out of a manager. Can you know can you can start start to have questions in your head about you know the way that you see the game and the way you see the players play. Um so yeah, I think Pep, I mean, his teams are always coming up with solutions, different solutions to different problems. Teams are always adapted, trying to adapt to City. Um He's also adapting at that same speed or even faster than other teams can try and um, catch him up. So I, I wanted to put his name out there. Um, I did have Moyes as well. You guys have, again, you've covered him. I think the only one thing I'd add to what you guys have said, or you, you've probably said it already, is just his, his ability with this team to actually get these players, again, to develop um, and get better than... How he how they were when he got there. So like some of those players even came in. Uh, I think when was it Pellegrini that was there before him? Uh, you know, all over the place, confidence all over the place with some of those players. He's been able to create a unit and give everyone confidence. And um, most of the players have all you know come on leaps and bounds. Um, and they give anyone a hard game. And they they give in some of our favourites, as Mark would say. A bloody nose um, in games. So, yeah, Moyes is, is there for me. Again, like T said, some of the setbacks that he's had since he left Everton, it's enough to send people down a spiral. But he, you know, he's he's done the other, he's gone the other way. He's taken those experiences and he's 
allowed him to get better and allowed him, I guess, to um, communicate with the players um, on the training ground, help them get better at the things that they're not so good at, um, settle some players down, like Ben Rama, um, like Fornals as well. Those guys, when they first came in, weren't settled. Now they are settled and are contributing as well. So I think absolutely, I agree with you guys. He deserves a shout out. And third, I know you talk about Premier League a lot, but I'm just going to add it in there. Christophe Gaultier, um, the ex-Lille manager, who's now Nice manager, just the work that he did with Lille to win the French title with the players that they had. Um, a lot of the players that they had are quote-unquote like reject players. I'm not saying they're reject, but you know, they're players that did it, that failed they're rejects, elsewhere. They failed. They failed elsewhere um, and they've come in and he's come in and he's had this pragmatic way of getting everyone to, you know, function as a unit and take out a team, you know, little little take out a big, you know, team like PSG with all the money that they've got and the dominance that they have um, uh, and give every single player um, the confidence to keep on battling and battling and keeping clean sheets and, you know, doing the things that we saw maybe in the past, like strong defences and, and to win league on. Um, and then leaving leaving Lille and going to Nice and like Nice previously, again, struggling mid-table side, um, but a bit of money's coming to it. And he's at the moment got them in a top four position. They're, they're getting, you know, better results than they did previously. Um with pretty much the same players again, doing the same thing um, or similar things that he's done with Lil. So I just wanted to shout him out because um, he's a to me he's a as a proper coach. He's taking the players that he's got, um, creating a unit, creating a kind of family family there, and um, getting them to push a punch above their weight, which is which I always like to see. I I just love Renato Sanchez, man. Yeah. He's just this my guy. He's just my yeah. guy, man. I, I love, I love, I love that guy, man. Honestly, mm-hmm. and I just think con- watching him consistently, he makes it, he makes it fun to watch midfielders. I'm midfielders union anyway, but mm-hmm. he makes it fun to watch midfielders, man. He receives the ball in any situation, and he's got a turn of pace, and he zips away mm-hmm. from people. Do you know what I mean? He, he, when you talk about, you asked me about Rice and dictating play and stuff like that earlier. This guy, he's able to dictate when he's switched on, when he's playing, when he's fit. Do you know what I mean? He's a good player, man. I don't I don't know why he hasn't... I don't know why it didn't work out for him when he had his moves and stuff, uh, when he was at Bayern and all that kind of stuff. I don't know why he hasn't been given the big opportunity, but... Perhaps he was... Um, he was too young for that move, maybe, at the time. He wasn't wasn't ready, and he probably didn't have the right coach as well. I think at the time... It was Nicholas Nikola Kovac, and I don't I don't think that was the right fit for him at his age. Uh, perhaps if Yup uh, Hankis, who came back afterwards, maybe if he had him a bit more experienced, um, he might have been able to do something with him. Yeah, but yeah, I'm happy that he's doing well right now. He dominates midfield when he plays a team, like, whether it's for Portugal or Lille, he's just dominant. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. He's doing it's his nice. thing. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, like, for me, I would say mine, obviously, I thought about Moyes. I thought about different managers um, in different positions in the league. But I would say 
Obviously, mine is Pep. But the only thing I'll add, because you can do a whole show about Pep, but Man City, and this is me as a Man United fan speaking, Man City, when I think about Man City and I think about the level at which they're playing football, it's hard not to be jealous. Like, it's hard <laughs> not to be jealous about the way they play their football, the way they're dominating teams, the amount of games they've won in the calendar year. I think it's a record, right? Premier League record for the amount of Premier League games won um, in a calendar year. They've, they've, they've just bro- they've broken the record. You know, it's just like, it's a joy to watch them. And I, I and I like I particularly like what um, Pep Guardiola has done with people like um, Pep um, Carl Walker, you know, Carl Walker. Who, I mean, I just the, the, the tactical side to this guy's game, um, and just on the ball, um, the way that he's playing. Like you said, with all of the fullbacks, but definitely someone like a Carl Walker, someone like um, Cancelo as well. You know, these guys are starting to. It's 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 like I remember when I went to go and watch. Barcelona um, at the new Camp is a similar thing I saw when I was seeing that the best players on the pitch in terms of playing football yeah, wasn't really the midfielders it was the way that I was impressed with the way that Carlos Puyol was playing I was impressed that he was getting so forward with the ball, Mascherano was getting so forward with the ball, I was so shocked that these guys was able to, to do what they're doing and I think that's what the mark of Pep's teams are, it's the players that, there's the players that you obviously expect to be great and then there's what he does with the players who you're like, oh, that guy, he's, he's all right. But, you know, and then all of a sudden, Pep's got this guy and he's got, him, he's got him understanding the game. I think that's the difference. Like, Pep is teaching people to understand the game of football in a way that a lot of people, do you know what I mean? It does, And it doesn't matter who you are. You have to understand the game. You have to understand the basics. Otherwise, you're just not going to play for his team. It's very simple. And I think he's shown that. Um, he's rotated players and that, but like I said, someone like a Carl Walker, England def- definitely benefited from that. England national team definitely benefited from having, you know, your John Stones and and your Carl Walker that understand has, has been able to work with such a top coach. You know, Foden definitely is benefiting as well. So there's just so many players that are benefiting, but he's teaching them how to how to look at different situations in the game. Do you get what I'm saying? Like he gives proper breakdowns. Every time you see this guy do a sit down interview. It's like a breath of fresh air. Him and Klopp, to be fair, it's like a breath of fresh air to hear them break down a football match and actually not just say, talk about the big decision of the day. Oftentimes, once the heat is gone, you know, post-match and stuff, and they're not going and throttling referees and all that, you know, (laughs) when they're not not going to do that, these guys, they're able to break down football. And I think the way that Pep's doing at the moment, it's just, to me, that's my favourite team. And I love I love watching attack versus defence when it's Man City trying to break a team down because you know they're going to do it the methodical way. And sometimes that is really good to watch. Even It's even good to watch even if the team doesn't, um, even if the other team, because it's also good to see how teams set up against City because you think, people say this, right, and they just go, oh, it's just parking the bus. But it isn't just parking the bus because you have to be aware of what the opposition are trying to do. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And set yourself up in a way that um, it's not just a case of blocking everything because eventually you have to try and get your own goals or you have to try and get amount your own attacks and stuff. So I like watching Man City probably the most out of everyone in the Premier League. That's the biggest compliment. As a United fan, I'm saying, listen, that's that's the team I like watching the most in the league um, because of the way that they are. And obviously when they go on the this, I mean, the, the, the run they went on, in terms of the to the Premier League, just like twenty odd games, twenty plus games in a row, just winning every game. 
it's like it's hard to look past him. So for me, it's definitely um, Pep Guardiola, but definitely honourable shout out to David Moyes because he's done well. Um, you know, I was going to put Oli in there, but you know, <laughs> I thought against it. You know. <laughs> So, you know, um, it, it was what it was. Okay, cool. So, um, what about moments of the year? Like, what was your favourite, like, memory or moment from 2021 in football? Could be anything, like, anything on the pitch, off the pitch, a story, anything. What was your favourite moments? I'm, I'm going to have to say the, the obvious, boys. I'm sorry. But it is it's just too obvious. Alison, that, that goal, the header, mm-hmm. no. Nah. No, 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 no. That was crazy. Do you know what? It didn't even hit me until the end of the season. That's the thing. I didn't realise what was going on. And the backstory, I think, you know, with his, his, his dad passing away and the moment, you know, that we were talking about uh, with Mo Salah and how he was driving Liverpool and the situation that Liverpool were in. And I think, you know, if they didn't win those games, and that was one of the games we were in injury time, I think it was, was it West Brom that game? I think it was West yep. Brom. Um, if they didn't win that game, then you you, you know you could probably kiss bye bye to that to that top four. The breakdown podcast. And um, the way you just come up, and the thing is as well, it's it's not like a scrappy, you know, like a rebound or a, a second ball, third ball, or whatever. A second phase, he, he's nailed the header. You know, it's, it's a it's a wicked delivery, and he's he's it's a striker's finish. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just, yeah, man, you know what? Like, I can't remember the, the last time, you know, we're seeing a goalkeeper come up and lay the goal, you know? So for me, when I saw that, that was easy. Had to be Alisson, man. Had to be Alisson, especially with, with the backstory and, and and how the season ended up. Um, Alisson, for sure. I, I thought you were going to say the 5 0, boy. It's not that it was light, but it was more it was more because um the situation that United were in before, you know, and the the build up to it, it was kind of it was it felt a little bit like uh the three nil uh when Moyes was in charge actually. It was already going it was already going wrong and it was just like okay, well that's that's just another side that kind of exploited that, you know. So that that to me wasn't 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 the moment. Definitely Alison for me. What did I tell you? No, 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 no. For what she did it. <laughs> um, yeah, mine is mine is um, Pep blowing up um, at a Liverpool Man City game on the sidelines when um, the Munich get, didn't get the yellow card from. <laughs> that that is like. Um, I had to. I actually had the the Man United Liverpool game because that was wild. I've, I've not seen a thing like that. Uh, I don't think uh, Old Trafford. That was <laughs> um, painful. Yeah, that was yeah, so that was... painful. I don't yeah, care. Was... I don't care. It was painful. It was so bad. Like I've never, I've never felt like that to be honest about losing against Liverpool. Never. That was. Yeah. That was. You know the definition of hammering. Like usually yeah. teams get hammered and that, and it's like ah, oh, it's a couple, but. Nah, they got wallets, man. And the maddest thing was, as well is that Liverpool weren't weren't playing. I don't think they were at like fifth gear. Do you get what I'm saying? They, stopped. they take they, they definitely they stopped, stopped. <laughs> at one point. I was still getting it in, but nah, the 
Pet's reaction to Milner not getting a yellow card, bro. That that finished me. I went and had a little watch of it before we, we came <laughs> on. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it gave me memories of when he lost it again in the same game um, against Liverpool a couple of years ago as well, where he was he put his two fingers up in there and he was like twice, twice, twice. <laughs> and, yeah, bro. And it's just, it's a because. I think the thing is, is that because Pep is always usually in control of his feelings and he's collected and he's methodical and whatever, um, to see him lose his temper like that and become human in front of everyone is 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 um is fantastic. Um, and he does it. It's so funny when he does it as well. So yeah, that was my moment of the of the of the year. <laughs> the moments there. See, mine mine is international. Mine is the, obviously the Euros happened in the summer. For me, England beating Germany was very, very, very sweet. Very sweet mm-hmm. for numerous reasons. But for me, it's Jack Grealish coming off the bench, getting the assist for Harry Kane, mm-hmm. securing securing the bag. Because, like you say, Germany is everybody's favourites, man. Like everyone's mm-hmm. favourites seem to play in the German national team. And everybody was saying about all the, the, the Germany players and how the level's different and what they've got and all this and that. And it was just like to see England actually do well, perform well. Um, Jack Grealish coming off the bench as everyone was screaming, oh, come on, come on, why is Grealish not starting well? Everyone except the manager, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, seeing Grealish come off the bench, beating Germany in the semi-finals of a big tournament, that was particularly satisfying. After, after what England have been on the receiving end of and our club players and that, I've just been on the receiving end sometimes of, of some jabbings. I can think of the one where um, Mesut Ozil showed Gareth Barry a clean pair of heels. <laughs> he just ran off from me. I can't remember, was it 4-0 or something like that in the game? Um, there, was, there was the goal line incident, Lampard. Lampard, obviously, um, the, the ball went over the line. But, of course, there was no goal line technology then. So, again, Germany, you know, get it that way. And then there's just been times where Germany's just been better, like just outclassed and stuff. So, for me, it was just like a massive whew, relief. England didn't win the tournament, obviously, but it was good just to, for that game specifically because there was a lot of gloating I had to do <laughs> after that game. There was a lot riding on that, you know what I'm saying? Because it would have been the same narratives. It was going to be the same old narrative. No, nah, man, these German players, man, they're so efficient. They're so this, they're so that. And it was just like, yes. Grealish stand up his man onto his left get onto his left foot little shimmy cut the ball across celebration that's what it is and also <laughs> listen I also have to mention big shout out to Muller Thomas Muller because what well, his miss as well you know clean through <laughs> Mr. Confident as oh, well man. when he fumbled the bag there you knew from that position yeah. alright cool it's it's, yeah. it's on and I'm so happy he didn't score that because if, if Thomas Muller would have scored there imagine the abuse Raheem Sterling would have got mm. 100% Raheem 100%. Sterling would have got battered yeah yeah because that the, the way he lost that ball then yeah it was just a lot you could just see it happening in it you could see the phases you could see how the newspaper was going to be at you could see the, 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 the online the comments all of that you could just see it and when he missed the collective sigh of relief where he was mad yeah, it was it was definitely one of them. Do you know what I mean? So you could, you, I could see it. You know, you could just see the story being written, kind of thing. And yeah. obviously, it was probably after, based on what happened after the tournament. You're talking yeah. like the racial abuse and all that. It was probably poetic justice that said 
poetic justice that they didn't win the tournament kind of thing. Because obviously afterwards you saw, you know, some of the stuff and you're like, mm, okay. But in the moment, do you know what I mean? I was definitely supporting England through the whole tournament and that me personally, because so many of the club players and that, it was just good to see them finally do that. Do you get what I'm saying? And that obviously leads into like what we're talking about um, in terms of like things for 2022 in football. Um, obviously you've got the World Cup, got AFCON, Champions League, Nation League as well. Nation League's coming next summer. This is like there's a lot of football to be played. Um, but yeah, one of the other things that happened this year as well, um, Super League and stuff like that. Do you think any of that stuff, like the Super League stuff, do you reckon it can come back in 2022? And do you reckon it will come back in a, just in a different form? Like talk, talk, talks of a Super League or even just agreements towards it or towards that kind of way? Because now we've got more millionaire, billionaire owners now. So potentially it could rear its head again in a different form. What do you think? Yeah, 100%, man. I think there's, there's no smoke without fire on this one. And you know what? In that in that period of time, I missed a lot of the... like Because it was a bit of an explosion, like how it just came up. It just came out. It was taken over. You know, there was all this talk and, you know, managers weren't aware, players weren't aware, it seemed. It was just owners who had kind of gone behind the backs and, you know, had these agreements. And it was, it was all of a sudden some kind of uh, consensus between some of the European clubs. And it was just all a bit weird how everything was, was coming out. Um, but it's, it seems that actually it, it, it had, this, the, the Super League notion had gone beyond conversation. You know, it seemed that, you know, documents were signed and commitments were made and these kind of things. And it seems like it's, it's been on the cards for quite a while. And I guess when you, when, when you look at things now, you look at like some of the ownership models in the Premier League and you look at uh, some of the, where the money's coming from, where the investment's coming from, essentially. And I guess you think about what the benefit would be for those guys. And those guys are kind of like trying to make their own bubble. They're just like, listen, like we can see what's happening here. You know, there's a couple of American investors who come into the league and, you know, some obviously from uh, some, some Arab investors, you know, some um, Russian investors and these sorts of things. And I guess there's conversations happening kind of thing like, listen, we can just make a thing here where we guarantee some of the, the income if we create our own league and, and, and you know, join with some of the other so-called European giants and just create another entity, which is kind of, you know, uh, not, not reminiscent of the Premier League, but it's like when the Premier League thing happened, it was kind of like, okay, we're all going to come together and there's going to be a band club. This is how it's going to work. We're going to work it like this. And all of a sudden, you know, there's, a lot of the commercial reasons that come out and it's not necessarily about improving the quality of football and improving um, the fan experience, improving um, the level that we're seeing essentially. And what what, what it looks like with, with the Super League is that they're basically, you know, a couple of the, the investors in the league who, you know, are, are, are controlling some of, the, some of the, the more successful clubs have just said, look, is there a way that we can bring fence and, and, and guarantee some of this revenue? Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of repeating myself, but it sounds like it sounds like it's going a bit further than, than just conversation. So I would not be surprised if it just rears its head in, in another form. Maybe it's not called the Super League. Maybe it's called something else, you know. Um, but 100%, that's, that's, that's coming about again because... These guys are, you know, when there's contracts and documents signed, boy, and every, every now and again, every now and again in the, yeah, 
And you see just every now and again, like every couple of months, there's someone who says something, whether it's, you know, Perez or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Josh um, Cronkey from Arsenal, just Josh doing Cronky. another car crash interview. Yeah, oh, bro, don't 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 even remind me. Um, but yeah, you know, every now and again, a club who's not been involved or a club who has been involved, that sort of thing, lets something slip. Or, you know, you, you wait for conversations or, you know, there's something come out about a new Champions League format or, you know, something that kind of, always mm. brings it to the, to the horizon again. So for me, there's definitely no smoke without fireman. It's true. I, I feel like that's definitely going to rear its head of some sort. I also think for 2022, and I think about football, the amount of football that's played is that's going to be played. Of course, we've got the pandemic, you know, that's going on. You can't ignore that. Um, and just the restrictions on people being able to do stuff, AFCON mm. and this and that. Like, it's going to be quite hard um, to play some of these games but you, you you saw I feel like in the past couple of years you've seen with football that money is not money is king you know mm. money is definitely the number one thing uh, making the revenue so I can see so things like a Super League things like remember like pay-per-view football can you remember that yeah. that was like yeah. a, those are dark days you know they tried yeah. to say you're paying for Sky you're paying for BT you're paying for whatever now you'll pay pay-per-view for your football mm. matches and people was also still paying for the season tickets whilst the games are being played behind closed doors. So it's like, what's going on? So I can definitely see that happening again. Um, and it's definitely going to be on the horizon. And obviously the usual people is going to come out and be speaking about how immoral it is. But it wouldn't be... The only part of it that's a bit bad is the whole no relegation, no promotion from set from a set thing. But in the way that football is being financially managed, you could kind of argue that that's kind of the way it is at the moment. Like, if you're not able to to come with the big takeover, you're not able to do it. So I feel like that will continue very much so. Um, I also think that ownership of clubs as well, like most clubs, I feel like 2022, you'll see the furtherance of that where big takeovers, like you see in Newcastle, massive one. I don't think they'll be the only ones. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there'll be more clubs that will, you know, small to mid-size, and West Ham are not small, but I'm just saying certain small to mid-size clubs that's there will definitely be there for the taking in 2022, I think anyways. It's bound to happen because once you've got this much money and all these managers that have now come into the league, do you get oh, what I'm yeah. trying to say? I feel like yeah. it's just going to start increasing that 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 greatly. Mm. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, essentially, I think I think you know that money is king now. And when you think about some of the decisions that are made, you know, even you know, speaking about the pandemic and you know, the moral question about it: should certain things be happening? Should games be being played? Um, should should people be being put at risk? Those kind of things. You know, a lot of the time in other in other sectors of life, um, these are not questions. You know. But as, as soon as you enter into in, into a football conversation, it becomes actually, you know what? Maybe the health is actually second. The money is paramount at the end of the day. We can't stop this economy now. You know, there's there's commitments being made. You know, what about the, the Premier League as an entity? What about the TV rights as an entity? You know, who's gonna who's gonna who's 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 gonna soak that? And like no one's no one's willing to budge really. So that that then becomes like a big pressure on the show must go on essentially. So. Money is definitely king, man. I feel, I feel like you've, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, man. Takeovers, whatever. International football obviously takes its turn. Like, so some teams are going to be playing two tournaments. No, some people could 
Yeah, two, at least two. Some people will play two tournaments, even if they play AFCON and the World Cup, or if they play the Nations League and they play the World Cup. Two international tournaments in a in a calendar year, that's a bit mad. Better Plus all the it. other fixtures that's going on. Better, better believe it. Better get playing, mate. That's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, we saw oh. the um, the outburst from Courtois as well after the nation, the third place, third place playoff, Nations League. Um, he had the outburst after the game about the the games that the players are playing, um, and I think I don't know. It's gonna have to be. It's gonna have to be the players, really. If anything's gonna change, it's gonna have to be the players in their droves, not just one or two speaking out, but in their droves and some sort of union to to stop it. Because um, yeah, FIFA and UEFA aren't stopping that. You've got the this new competition as well, where you've got the champions of Europe playing the champions of South America as well. So there's a game that's going to be played with Argentina and. Um, uh, Italy, I think, are going to play. Um, and I think you're going to have as well in some of the Nation League games, you're going to have um, some of the South American teams in in the groups uh, with the European teams as well. So it's all just money. like It's just all money spinning. Um, you obviously... ...money spinner the world, um, playing in America, playing in, in Asia, the international, um, international cup. So, yeah, man, wherever the money's at, these guys are going to be thinking of new ideas to, to try and get, um, and ultimately he's going to end up in more matches, um, and not good for the Premier League and the club managers in general. Yeah. And obviously certain, certain, um, certain managers that, you know, will be way more vocal than others, but you know, um, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying we have to, at the end of the day, we just have to get on with it, don't we, Jay? We just we, we don't complain. Just you just have to, have get, to get yeah, you just have to get on with it, mate. It's just That's getting it. paid. They get paid out of it, so <laughs> <laughs> they're not turning down the money. That's my thing, though. The man don't turn down the money. <laughs> so. It's true. It's true. It's, it's true. It's true. You can't. You can't. You you can't. You can't have it both ways. You can't have the money and the squads and the amount to invest and this and that, the other, and choose to not sign players in certain positions or areas, then at the same time complain there's too many games. That's impossible. But yeah. obviously certain people, you know, certain <laughs> managers, you know, I, I imagine that will continue on into 2022. Um. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I don't quote it. Say it, innit? Say it. Like, clearly there's, there's, there's something on your chest, bro. Say it. Oh, this- I'm just saying, I believe certain things will carry on and probably even develop, you know, oh, uh, in, into into what it is. But you know, you, <laughs> you never know. Do you get what I'm saying? But I, I do think, I do think that the game is going to be a problem, though. Like, I do feel like the product of some of these, some some of the product is going to suffer. Like, also, also, there's a possibility as well. This is one thing we'll probably end on this, but um, the possibility of more games behind closed doors, man. Oh. I don't want to see games yeah. behind closed doors. I don't want to see that in 2022. Like that, that should be just left behind, bro. bro it's just it started talk. already, isn't it? It started Money in Germany already. Money after make, my bro. Like it, it, it just is where it is. It is where it is. You know what? Unfortunately, yeah. I think actually, when we're just discussing this, I think that it's going to take a watershed moment to to get everyone to stop. 
because otherwise it's not going to stop. You know what I mean? Like it's going to take either a manager resigning, a big manager resigning and saying, oh, they're not having it or, you know, or or something unfortunate happened to a player, you know, as a result of just, just playing too many matches, that kind of thing. Um, because um, otherwise it's just a machine. Do you know what I mean? And the sort of society that we, we live in now encourages everyone to just chase, 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 chase. So, yeah, unfortunately, I, I have that feeling where there's something, there's, there's going to have to be a watershed moment, basically, for to, to bring a collective stop to things. You know what I mean? The Breakdown Podcast.